A very good morning and a very warm welcome to this morning service at Beckles Baptist Church. My privilege to welcome you. Um, if you are visiting or new, if you found us on YouTube or on our Facebook page or Twitter, it's great to have you come and join us. My name is Tom Fenning. I serve as the pastor, the minister of this church, and I'm going to be leading and preaching in this service as we meet to praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And throughout the lockdown, while we are unable to meet together physically, we have been and will continue to be meeting here on our church YouTube channel. As we mentioned each week, the best way to keep in touch with the services as they're put out online and all other resources that we put out, then please do subscribe to the YouTube channel by just going there and typing in Beckles Baptist Church and hitting subscribe. That'll keep you in touch with all that you need to know. As we very often do in our morning services, we're going to begin by hearing some words of greeting from different people that we would have ordinarily seen on a Sunday. So let me hand over to them and let's hear what they have to say. Hello everyone. We hope you are having a lovely time at home and we are missing you all. Bye. Bye. Hello church family. Enjoy your day. Good morning, church family. Good morning, church family. We're missing you all very much. God bless. Good morning, church family. It's great that we can meet online, listen together, sing together, and just know all these wonderful things. We thank God for this technology. Good morning, everyone. Greetings from my back garden where I'm giving my bike a quick tune-up before I ride. Um, I'm missing you all and I can't wait till we can all get back together and worship as a family in church. Take care. Bye. Hello everybody. Hope you're well. Stay safe. It's good to hear from each of those people. We do look forward to the day when we can see one another face to face. Psalm 2 is a song in the Bible and it speaks about the world that we live in. It's a world that doesn't always want to live in a way that pleases God. And this is how our world is described in this psalm. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. While the world that doesn't recognise God and his rule might rail against him, might fight against him, any rejection of God is it's futile, it's useless, because God will install his king. And in fact, he's done that. His king is Jesus, and he's the one we meet to praise. And we're going to do that in prayer now. We're going to talk to God. So let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, sometimes as we live in this world, we're very much aware that people don't want to follow you. They don't want to live for you. In fact, they want to throw off any control you have over them. 
And yet, Father, this psalm makes clear that you have installed your king. Thank you that that king is Jesus, your son, who was born as a baby, lived a perfect life as a man, died upon the cross and rose from the grave. Thank you that his resurrection from the dead proves that he is the king of kings and lord of lords. Thank you that we, through faith, can know him. And thank you that his spirit is among each of us today. What great news that is and how we praise you that Jesus is the king. And we pray that we might learn more of him this day and that we might worship him aright. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In our morning services this week and the following three weeks, we're going to be working our way through a book in the Old Testament called Esther. It's an amazing book that tells a story of how God wonderfully rescued his people while seemingly hidden in the background. Emily, Toby, Daniel and Luke are now going to read chapter one of Esther for us. would encourage you to grab a Bible and turn to Esther. If you're not sure where Esther is, the best way of trying to find it is trying to go to the centre of the Bible and find the Psalms. And then Esther is just two books back. So it goes, it's the Psalms, Job, and then Esther is the book before Job. The reading this morning is taken from Esther chapter one, starting at verse one. This is what happens during the time of Xerxes. The Xerxes, who ruled over 127 provinces, stretching from India to Kush. At that time, King Xerxes reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa, and in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials. The military leaders of Persia and Media, the princes and the nobles of the provinces were present. For a full 180 days, he displayed the vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendour and glory of his majesty. When these days were over, the king gave a banquet lasting seven days in the enclosed garden of the king's palace for all the people from the least to the greatest who were in the citadel of Susa. The garden had hangings of white and blue linen, fastened with cords of white linen and purple material to silver rings on marble pillars. There were couches of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of porphyry, marble, mother of pearl, and other costly stones. Wine was served in goblets of gold, each one different from the other, and the royal wine was abundant in keeping with the king's liberality. By the king's command, each guest was allowed to drink without restriction, for the king instructed all the wine stewards to serve each man what he wished. Queen Vashti also gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. On the seventh day, when King Xerxes was in high spirits from wine, he commanded the seven eunuchs who served him, Mehuman, Biztha, Harbona, Bigtha, Abagatha, Zethar and Carcass, to bring before him Queen Vashti wearing her royal crown, in order to display her beauty to the people and nobles, for she was lovely to look at. But when the attendants delivered the king's command, Queen Vashti refused to come. Then the king became furious and burned with anger. Since it was customary for the king to consult experts in matters of law and justice, he spoke with his wise men who understood the times and were closest to the king. 
The seven nobles of Persia and Media who had special access to the king were highest in the kingdom. According to law, what must be done to Queen Vashti? He asked. She has not obeyed the command of King Xerxes that the eunuchs have taken to her. Then the Mukam replied in the presence of the king and the nobles. Queen Vashti has done wrong, not only against the king, but also against the nobles and the people and the peoples of the provinces of King Xerxes. For the queen's conduct will become known to all the women, and so they will despite their husbands and say, King Xerxes commands Queen Vashti to be brought before him, but she would not come. This very day in the Persian and Medium women of the nobility who have heard about the Queen's conduct, who respond to their, all the King's nobles in the same way. They will, there will be no end to this disrespect and discord. Therefore, if it pleases the King, let him issue with the royal decree, and let it be written in the laws of Persia and Media, which cannot be repealed that Queen Vashti has, is never again to enter the presence of King Xerxes, also let the royal position, also let the king's king give her royal position to someone else who is better than she. Then when the king's edict is proclaimed throughout all his vast realm, all the women will respect their husbands from the least to the greatest. The king and his nobles were pleased with this advice, so the king did as Mukam proposed. He sent dispatch, dispatches to all parts of the kingdom, to each province in its own script, and to each pe people in their own language, proclaiming every man should be ruler over his own household using the native tongue. Well, before we look at that passage a little bit further, and see how we learn of the Lord Jesus there, we're going to pray. So let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you that you're the God who speaks. Help us be a people who listen and take to heart all that you have to say. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I wonder, boys and girls and grown-ups, whether you would say, if you're someone who lives for Jesus, whether being a Christian, someone who follows Jesus, is terrific, or whether you would say it is tough. Would you say living for Jesus is terrific, or would you say it's tough? Well, the answer is, it's a bit of both. There are times when it can be terrific to live for Jesus, we can know joy and happiness. We can sense God's love, especially through his people. But there are times also when it can be quite tough to live for Jesus. You might be someone who loves Jesus at school and yet your friends pick on you because you go to church. You might be a Christian who, who loves Jesus and has spoken of Jesus with their family and yet their family don't want to know. 
Maybe you are someone who at work finds it hard to be a Christian because other people don't take you seriously. Maybe even you've lost a job because you wanted to live for Jesus. I read just this week about some people who live in India, which is a long way away, who love the Lord Jesus, and three families who love Jesus had people break into their house and beat them up so that they had to go to hospital. Why? Because they loved Jesus. Sometimes living for Jesus can be tough. And as we come to the book of Esther today, we see God's people a long way from home, and we find the answer to this question, when it's tough to live for Jesus, why is this happening? And also, where is God? When it's tough to live for Jesus, why is it happening? And where is God? And we're going to see both those questions are answered as we look in our passage. Now, each of our Headings is going to have some actions which you could copy along with. So here's our first heading. It is this. The world is awesome, yet silly. You think you could do that with me? The world is awesome, yet silly. The book of Esther begins not with God's Old Testament people in Israel, but a long, long, long way away in a land called Persia. Persia is a massive empire. And why are God's Old Testament people here instead of all the way back in Israel? Well, it's because for hundreds of years, God's people said, we don't want to live for you, God. And so eventually God said, in punishment, you will be taken from the promised land and off to another land that was called Babylon and then became this empire called Persia. And while God's people live there in that empire, we find that life is tough to live for God. Chapter 1, which is the chapter that Emily, Toby, Daniel and Luke read, tells us all about this empire called Persia. And what we learn is that the empire is like a picture of the world that we live in that has rejected God. It is a picture of that world. And what we will see is this. Can you remember the actions with me? That the world is awesome, yet silly. To understand this, let's just look at this empire described in our passage. Three M's. Three M's to describe it. First up, it is massive. We're told that this kingdom stretched from India to Kush. Uh, If I was to put that in modern equivalents, it would cover 20 different countries. Countries including northern India, Pakistan, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Azerbaijan, Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, Armenia, Syria, Lebanon, Israel, Jordan, Turkey, Northern Greece, Egypt, Libya, Eritrea, Ethiopia, and Northern Sudan. It was massive. It was also a kingdom that was mighty. King Xerxes, who we will meet in a moment, we are told time and again is the one who is ruling. So in verse 2 it says that King Xerxes reigned and that his royal throne was in Susa. He was in charge. He was a powerful man because this empire 
was mighty. This empire was mighty. And then the final thing to see was this empire was magnificent. We're told that one year, King Xerxes, here he is, King Xerxes, spent 180 days showing off how amazing his empire was. 180 days. That's just crazy. Half a year. That one day he'd be parading all of his horses. The next day he'd be parading all of his soldiers. The next day he'd parade all of his boats. Then he'd parade all of his gold, all of his jewels. For 180 days. What do we learn about this empire? It was magnificent. And we see here that the empire is a picture of the world and we see that the world is, can you remember the heading? The world is awesome yet silly. And as we see these descriptions of this place, we are supposed to look at it with a pair of glasses that look a bit like this and just say, wow, wow, look at all that's going on. But then something happens that stops us saying wow and makes us say, what? And to see why, come down here with me. So after 180 days of showing off all his wealth, King Xerxes decided to hold a party, not for one day, nor for two, but for seven days. So for seven days, he and his friends had a great time. It was amazing. And he was having this party, and everything we read about this party makes us just go, wow. There was loads of food to eat. There was loads of wine to drink. There was amazing linen and seats and goblets. It was amazing. Everything there should make us go, wow. But then, this man who's really powerful has far too much wine to drink and he starts to lose control. And this empire, this world that looks amazing turns out to be a rather dangerous place because King Xerxes is out of control. He starts showing off. And so he says to his friends, I want you to see how beautiful my queen is. And this really powerful man gives this really simple instruction. He says, bring in the queen. And so some of the servants leave his party and they go to Queen Vashti's party, which is happening at the same time in a different part of the palace. And they say, uh, you need to come with me. And you know what Queen Vashti said? She said, no. And so the servant came back and reported to the king what she had said. She said, no. And King Xerxes goes mad. He's really, really angry. And he calls an important meeting. After Queen Vashti had said no to King Xerxes, King Xerxes called an important meeting of all his important advisors, and he says, look what Vashti's done. What must we do? And everyone looked round and scratched their heads. And they thought, I don't know, until Mamukan stood forward. And he said, I've got an idea, Your Majesty. I'll tell you what, this news is going to get out. And we need to tell everyone in the empire, millions of people, that what Queen Vashti did was wrong and that all the women should not be naughty but do what their husbands say. And the king went, that 
that's a really good idea. And everybody else in the room went, that's a really good idea. But it wasn't a good idea. It was really silly. Because before now, only a very small number of people knew what Vashti had done. And now they're going to tell everybody. This king who seems really powerful, it actually turns out is really silly. And so are all of his advisors. And what we see here is what we've seen so far. The world is awesome, but silly. So we've seen that this empire over which King Xerxes is the king has loads about it that makes us go, wow, it looks amazing. It's massive, it's mighty, it's magnificent. But actually we see it's dangerous because the powerful king has too much to drink. And then the powerful king doesn't have very much power because he can't tell his queen, Queen Vashti, what to do. And then this world that seems awesome turns out to be crazy because they come up with a plan that is just foolish. And what of all of, does all of this have to teach you and me as people who love the Lord Jesus? Well, it reminds us that we live in a world, much of which is full of people who have turned their backs on God and who now live doing whatever they want and not what God wants. And this world that's full of people who've turned their back on God can look amazing. We can look at this world around us and think it just looks, wow, amazing. Uh, We want a bit of that world. We want to be like that world sometimes. And yet, just like the empire in our story, so our world we live in is not just awesome, it is also silly. This is seen no more clearly than when the world met God's son, the Lord Jesus. Because what did they do when they met him? Well, they decided that rather than bow to the king of kings, they would nail him on a cross. They thought that they were being awesome and powerful by getting rid of Jesus. Yet when Jesus rose from the dead, it shows us that the world may think it's awesome, but actually it is silly. And worse than that, it is wicked because it's rebelling against God and so as we live in a world that stands against God that makes life tough for God's people we could be tempted to think oh oh wow wow look at the world look at it but actually this passage says hold on a minute this world that might look awesome is actually a world that is silly you say that with me the world is awesome and yet silly The second thing we see as we look here at Esther and as we move into chapter 2 is this, is that God is hidden, but he's at work. You do those actions with me and say those words? God is hidden, yet at work. Now to see how this works out, we need to go back and see what Xerxes does some time later. Now, some time later, after King Xerxes had said that Queen Vashti could no longer be his queen and he removed her from serving that role, and after his anger had calmed down, we are told he said this, find me a queen. 
And, and all of his servants said, yeah, sure thing, boss, we'll find you a queen. And so they went everywhere in all the empire, and they brought lots and lots of women to come and to meet King Xerxes in order that he could choose one of these to be his queen. Uh, now, you might think, well, they're just coming for a beauty contest. How exciting to meet a king and to have a nice meal and to talk with him. But actually, what was going on was really, really horrid because all of these women that were taken were taken by the empire of the world, by King Xerxes, and they were kidnapped and would never return home. If the king said, no, I don't want that one to be my queen, that lady would have to live in a house far from home for the rest of her life. What this empire of the world was doing was horrid. And yet there was, in the midst of this, some of God's people were taken, including this lady, Esther. She was one of God's people. She had been brought up by her cousin, Mordecai. We'll meet him in a bit. But the thing is, does Esther get protected from all that's going on? No, she is taken too, we're told. In verse, in verse 8, she is taken with everybody else. All that's going on, in all that's going on, God seems to be hidden, yet he's at work. But here Esther is taken all the way to the king's palace. And what's more, Esther and her cousin Mordecai seem to be scared. They live in this world that's awesome, yet silly, and yet dangerous too. And so they don't tell anybody that they are a member of God's people. Twice we are told, um, in verse 20 and also in verse 10, no one says who they are. Esther and Mordecai keep it secret that they are God's people. In all of this, we see that where is God? God is hidden, yet he is at work. And the reason that we know this is the case is that Esther member of God's people, well, she ends up being chosen to be the queen. Um, She and all the other ladies were grouped together, and for a whole year, they had special treatments to make them as beautiful as possible. And then one evening, one by one, they would go and see the king, and the king would spend an evening with them. And the king would need to remember their name and ask for them. And each lady that went to spend a night with him, he said the same thing. He said, Nope. Each lady that went to see him each evening said the same thing. Nope, don't want her to be my queen. Until one day, Esther went and spent the evening with the king. She then left. But then King Xerxes said this. He said, bring me Esther. And she was brought before the king, and we're told that she pleased him more than anyone else. And she was given a crown, And she was made his queen. And he threw a party, a big banquet to celebrate. And here we see Esther, one of God's people, made the queen of this country. What's going on? God is hidden, and yet he's at work. Few people would have thought that Esther was very impressive. Sure enough, she was beautiful, but she wasn't powerful. She was a member of God's people. She was scared because she thought this empire of the world might do her harm if they found out who she was. And yet she was the one who pleased the king the most. She was the one 
who's given the crown and made the queen. And yet even when she became a queen, actually she still was quite weak. She had an important position, but she was still weak. Remember Vashti was just removed from being queen. And yet the fact that Esther was made queen, we will find is evidence that God was hidden, and yet God was at work. The same is true for you and me today. Often we can live in this world that's turned its back on God and we can feel weak and unimpressive. We can feel like what we do is not very significant. But through us, God's people, God may appear sometimes to be hidden and yet we can be sure that he's at work. In the same way that he was at work when Jesus was born. Remember Jesus was born as a baby? We remember that at Christmas, don't we? His mother, Mary, was a very ordinary girl to whom was promised that she would bear God's son. And he was born as a baby in weakness, in poverty. And in this scene, it may appear very unimpressive, this little baby being born. God appears to be hidden. And yet he's at work. Because even when we can't see God at work, and in the book of Esther, these first two chapters, we've not even heard God's name mentioned. God is clearly hidden, and yet he's clearly at work. And the same goes for us. So we can trust God. Even if we feel like God God is hidden, we can't see him. We can be sure that he's at work in our lives and amongst us as a church, even if we feel we're not very impressive. So even if life is tough at the moment, if someone's picking on you for living for Jesus, it might feel like God is hidden, we can be sure that God is at work. There's one final scene that we need to see before we finish today, and that involves Mordecai, Esther's cousin. Before we finish, and in order that we can understand the story and what's coming in the weeks ahead, we need to find out one more thing. In the court of the king were two men. Uh, They were particularly important men who protected the king. Their names are Bigthana and Theresh. And we are told that they were pretty cross with the king. We're not told why. So cross, in fact, that they said one day, let's kill the king. And they made a plot to kill King Xerxes. But while they made that plot, Mordecai, One of God's people, the cousin of Esther, who had brought her up and cared for her, heard what they said. And he thought, that's not right. I need to tell Esther so that she can keep the king safe. So he went off and he found his cousin Esther and he told her what had happened. And she then told the king. And these men were found and their plot was unhatched and they were taken away. And the king was kept safe. And what Mordecai did was written down in a book. Mordecai wasn't rewarded. But what he did was written down. And one day, importantly, it would be remembered. Why that's important, we'll see in the weeks ahead. At the beginning, I asked whether you thought being someone who lived for the Lord Jesus was terrific. Or whether you thought it was tough. Often we can find that living for Jesus is tough and people pick on us and make life hard. People like those folk in India who are beaten up because they love the Lord Jesus. As we've looked at the book of Esther today, we've seen that 
There's a good reason why that's the case. Because the world that we live in is, is awesome, yet it is silly. And it's even dangerous as this world has turned its back on God. And secondly, when life is tough, we need to remember what we saw today. That God is hidden and yet he is at work. And he calls us to trust him whether life at the moment is terrific or whether it is tough. We're going to bow our heads and pray that we'd know God's help to do that well. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you that in the book of Esther, you are very much at work. Even while we can't see you, you're at work moving your people into places where you can work through their weakness to bring rescue for your people. Thank you, dear Father, that in the same way that you worked through the Lord Jesus, you worked through Esther and Mordecai. Thank you that you too, while we're not always aware of how you're at work in our situations, you are there and you are at work. Please would you help us not to be fooled into thinking that this world that is opposed to you is the place to be a part of, but instead might we see that it is a dangerous place and a place that ultimately is silly because people are not told how to live to please you. We ask these things, thanking you for your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now to help us uh, recap what we have just learned, we're going to meet, not Ben, he's taking a break for the coming weeks, but instead we're going to meet Lucy. Hello, my name's Lucy. I wonder whether you sometimes find living for Jesus tough. Sometimes I do. People can pick on me and make me sad because I live for Jesus. I thought what we learned in Esther was so helpful. Wasn't it great to remember that? The world may look awesome, yet it's silly. King Xerxes certainly was powerful, but he was also pretty silly. I need to remember that especially if I'm tempted to stop living for Jesus. We also learn that God is hidden yet at work. It's often hard for us to see what God is doing, yet he worked in Esther and Mordecai who seemed weak. And we'll see in the coming weeks, God's work in their lives means he can save his people. Hearing this, helps us trust God is at work in our lives, even when we can't see him. That's all from me today. I'll see you next time. Bye. Well, thanks, Lucy, for helping us recap what we've learnt as we've looked at that story. Uh, we're now going to spend some time in song. Um, two songs that speak, first up, of the greatness of the God, the God who in Esther is hidden but at work, and then we're going to sing also of the wonder of being able to pray to God, Father, you are king of heaven and greater than us all. If you'd like to sing, then we'd encourage you to do that. But if you'd rather just listen to the words and the music, then you can do that instead. in his hand who has known 
seated on his throne Come let us adore him Behold our King Nothing can compare Come let us adore him Father, you are King of Heaven And greater than us all Everything is in your hands From huge right down to small Sometimes I forget that I can't do things on my own Please now help me pray to you And trust in you alone It's like a knife I'm trying to do press-ups Like a potato trying to swim Like a mountain trying to brush its teeth When we don't rely on him We're now going to spend some time praying. We're going to pray for our nation, especially for our Queen and our government, um, as they seek to work out a wise way forward as we seek to come out of lockdown. Uh, we're going to pray for us as a church as we just try and consider uh, how and when we might be able to meet together physically too. So let's bow our heads um, and let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for the people that you've placed over our country to lead and to serve. We want to pray for our Queen and her government. We want to pray very especially for our Prime Minister, Boris Johnson and his Cabinet. And ask, dear Father, please, that you would help them make decisions that are wise and that are best for the good of our country. We realise that's especially important to pray with all the complexities of the coronavirus. We pray that you'd help them make decisions that would keep people safe 
But as they seek to make it possible for us to do more things like go to school and go to work and come to church, would you help them give advice that is wise and good? And please would you help us, especially as a church, as we try and work out how and when we might be able to meet together again physically, that you'd help us make wise decisions and that you would keep us each safe, we pray. Father, we would ask, please, too, for the children who are a part of our church family. Thank you for each of them. Thank you that so many of them hear of the Lord Jesus each and every day. Thank you that many of them love him. And our Father, we want to thank you for the chance each Sunday morning at the moment that the children have to meet up on Zoom. Thank you for Beth and the hard work she puts in to lead these sessions. And we'd ask that they would be really good times for the children to meet up even while they can't do that face to face. And we'd ask too, dear Father, that as Beth speaks of the Lord Jesus, that each of the children would be encouraged to live for him and to follow him. And Father, we pray for each of the children that you'd keep them loving the Lord Jesus, learning of him, even while they can't meet for Sunday school. And please would you sustain them too, while they're not able, not all of them are able to go along to school at the moment. We thank you for our children. We commit to you, Beth, and the other Sunday school teachers. And we pray too for the parents. And these things we ask, thanking you that you hear our prayers. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to conclude our service with just a few announcements, a few notices for the days ahead. Uh, The first is to mention that we have a playlist of songs also to be found on our church YouTube channel uh, that will help you respond to all that you have heard today. And we encourage you to make use of that. If you're able to join us for our evening service today at 6.30, we'd love you to join us then when Peter Skerritt, our assistant pastor, is preaching as we look at the book of 1 John. Then looking to events in the week, on Wednesday we are running a new course off the back of Story, uh, the the, the two-week course that Peter ran looking into the story of the Lord Jesus and how that connects with our story But off the back of that, we're running a little course called Identity that explores who the Lord Jesus is from the life account written by John. And on top of that, there are various questions, big questions that people ask, like how does Christianity marry with science or suffering? They'll seek to be answered too. So that's starting on Wednesday. Uh, Do think whether you would like to come or whether you have friends that you would like to invite to come to that, then please do. And if you need more details, please do make touch with Peter, and ask him more about that. But that's Wednesday at 8pm on Zoom. Please do get in contact with Peter if you're interested in that. Uh, Then on Thursday evening and Friday, our home groups meet. Again, this is uh, to study a bit of 1 Peter. Um, There's a short video talk that will go live, which you can watch and then join your home groups. And the exact order of play, your home group leader will be in touch to inform you about Then one thing, just a little further ahead, just under two weeks' time, on Thursday the 9th of July, we have one of our church members' meetings. This is going to be happening for the first time on Zoom, that online platform. Um, You should have received already an email about it, or if not, a letter is in the post if if it hasn't arrived already. This members' meeting is one of the few meetings each year that is available just for church members. But church members, we plead with you to make it a priority to get along there, If you need any help getting on to Zoom um, or 
it needed some help to get, be invited around someone's house to watch it with them, please get in touch and we'd love to make that possible if we can. That's all you need to know for things coming up in the weeks ahead. Pray you know God's blessing uh, for the rest of the day. We'd encourage you to get in touch with um, maybe one or two other people um, as we head into Sunday afternoon and seek to encourage them to live for and love the Lord Jesus. We're going to close um, by praying now. So let's bow our heads and let's pray. We're going to close with a prayer from the Bible that says this. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in, each, in every good deed and word. Amen.